Hey everybody, on this week you guys talking sports, we're going to get into um, game six of the finals. Um, obviously KD's injury, how would that affect the um, team moving forward? And how does that affect um, the NBA free agency coming up? Um, and do we believe that it was actually a calf injury or an Achilles tear? All that and much more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. I'm going to be your moderating for the evening. This is um, Smooth, and now I'm here with my two boys, Al and Ace, um, talking about sports as always. A couple of things we're probably going to get into. The biggest story of all, um, Kevin Durant um, tore his Achilles. Um, did the Golden State Warriors really know about it? Did he know about it? Was it a McDiagnosis? I don't know. We'll talk about the impending free agency and how does this Kevin Durant injury affects the landscape. Um, and we already see some jockeying for position for AD by the Lakers with the new fresh offer, which sounds like the old fresh offer, except with one shiny fourth round draft pick um, put in there. Uh, but we want to get right down to it. Um, so guys, how you been doing this evening? It's been a long week. No, I took that back. The week has been going by pretty quick. But it seems like, but can't complain whatsoever. Yeah, same here. Um, it, it's been a long week already, but I'm just ready to get this week over with and just refresh and regroup um, over the weekend. So, but for right now, I'm ready to get started. Okay, well, we're going to get right down into it. Um, the big story lineup, obviously, was whether Kevin Durant was going to play or not going to play. I was always under the impression that he wasn't going to play. And I was shocked and surprised that he came back in game five. Grand opening, 11 points, 11 minutes. He was looking like his old self. And I'm sure Toronto was sitting there thinking like, God damn, here goes the fucking title. And then grand closing, he makes a turn, whoop, ruptures his Achilles. And he's out not only for the rest of the game, rest of the finals, probably all the rest of next season. Um, earliest, maybe, if a team makes the finals. Um, or the playoffs at best next year in the 2020 season. But more than likely, he probably won't step foot on the court into the 2021 season. Um, so, guys, what was your reaction to this injury? And um, do you feel that this was something that was an Achilles tendon all along and not a calf strain? Or was it just something that just a freak injury or a freak accident? Um. Uh, well, I ruptured, I partially ruptured my Achilles. And I think it was on the same foot, I believe it was his right foot. So I kind of, if I didn't know better, I believe that the Achilles is kind of attached to the calf somewhat, you know. Um, and it might have been a scenario where in the back of his mind, the calf injury, and then I, you know what? I'm gonna take this back. I, I truly, this isn't the first time he's had a calf injury before, so it was probably a scenario where he rushed it. Um, Dubs, uh, Golden State's management was sitting there questioning why he wasn't playing hurt. I was trying to find an article about that earlier this week. I know Bleacher Report published something like that, but I could, I just couldn't go back that far in the app to kind of to kind of read up on it. But I truly believe that he was pressured by management and everybody else because 
I don't think the Dubs uh, or Golden State thought very highly of, uh, of Toronto. I, in my opinion, I think they figured they had more talent on their side and kind of not be in a position where to be down 3-1. I truly think if it were 2-2, they wouldn't have pushed Durant to come back and play game five. No. I, think, I think it would have been the determining factor would have been game five would have made the determining factor if he actually would have came back or if he would have sat another game. But because Toronto willed themselves into a 3-1 lead, and ironically, they really should have swept them, which then would have meant Durant would have came back game four, and we're probably still sitting here talking about the same thing because the calf wasn't healed, and he probably would have ruptured Achilles anyway. It's unfortunate, you know, but, that, I mean, that's sports. I mean, when you're the player of his caliber, you know, you don't want to sit there on the sidelines and not be able to contribute, knowing that you could try to come out there and try to do something. But ultimately, it cost them not only the series, but it probably cost them all the next season, too. I mean, I tip my hat for KD just going out there. I think he was three for three on threes, 11 points. I think he hit two from the free throw line. I mean, he came out blazing. And I think it might have been a run. I don't know if they would have ran away with it, but if he would have played the entire game, I don't think it would have been as close. But uh, very unfortunate. But, you know, management and other people, and it might have been partly KD, too, where he felt as though he had to do it upon himself to come back because he just couldn't sit on the sideline and, kind of watched them go down. So I think it might have been a little bit of both. But I still believe it was more management than KD kind of pushing him to get back in for game five. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I really think that, to be honest, if, if anything, and I think KD, I give I, a lot of respect for KD, number one. Um, when you hear so many people, when you have pressure like that, where people is talking about you should have been in the game, and you know there's other people playing tougher, you know they got injuries, and why not you and stuff like that, you know you hear that constantly over and over again. You get to that point where you're like, yo, you know I need to really, you know, show these people now that even though I'm still injured, that I still have what it takes, and you know I don't want to let my teammates down. I get it, and you know. Everything was seems to be heading in the right direction. But I really believe that management and I, one of the reasons why I believe Bob Myers was crying in that interview because I think he really believed that it was his fault and he does have to take some blame for this. I believe that, you know, when you're forcing something to happen, you know, you can't worry about the – people don't – when you're trying to force something to happen and you're so close to – losing the championship finals, you wanted to do whatever it takes. And I think that they put KD in a in a difficult position um, in a nutshell. I really believe that, you know, and to be honest, KD, if anything, should have took a page out of Kawhi Leonard's book. Like, hey, all jokes aside, like, you're really not going to do injure me further because you want me to be out there. You know, it's, you know this is the point where KD chose the team over himself, which is understandable, but in the long run, now it hurts him. And I'm going to be honest with you, is partial blame goes to management, partial blame goes to KD, and to be honest, partial blame goes to the Golden State Warriors. And the reason why I'm saying it is because 
they shouldn't even be in this position that they're in right now. And when KD went down when they was playing against the Rockets, like, for whatever reason, that light just turned on. And they was able to beat the Rockets and move into the next round of the series with the Blazers. They was able to beat the Blazers and walk their way into the finals. Now, you know, you're in a position where you're down 3-1 to the Toronto Raptors. And I'm not saying that Toronto is, you know, Toronto is clearly the better team right now. And if you're the championship, like the champion warriors, like you supposed to be, like you should be in a prime, you should have the edge in this series, but you don't at the, the bottom line. The defense is, is atrocious. Like all jokes aside, the Warriors defense is so bad right now. And that should have been fixed from game one, even, and to be honest, by game two. And I think there's this blame to go all around, but I think that Warriors shouldn't have been in this position to begin with. In that case, it would be to it should be the other way around where you don't have to worry about KD now. You know what I'm saying? Because you're in a better position than where you are right now. KD shouldn't have to come from just to play in a when when the Warriors are down three one in this series. And obviously, it shows that you need KD a lot more than you think, especially in the finals. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, for all those people, and there were a lot of commentators that are now saying that he shouldn't have played. That were kind of same round of answer that he should. For anybody that was questioning his heart in whether or not he, you know, he was committed to the Warriors, I think that ruptured Achilles answered all those questions. Um, I think the ridiculous statement that some people put out there that the Warriors were better without him was also a ridiculous statement. They were a 72 and what, uh, three win team, but this was a team constructed differently with a better bench so they played differently because they didn't have to account for KD you bring in KD you have to sacrifice your bench we all knew that eventually sometime down the road they was going to have to pay that bill and the bill came due when he got injured and so now what you find yourself is they played they played they didn't play better I've always said they just played differently and the um the trail the Portland Trailblazers just didn't believe they could beat them after the first game. The Houston Rockets never really could beat them because once they blew that, once they blew that game where he went down, their defense was just as bad as the <laughs> as the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors offense still was just better than them, so they couldn't do anything about that. And so you come into a Toronto Raptors that's very deep, um, overall better team um, than Golden State without KD. Um, they have a better bench. Their starting five is not better than Golden State with KD in there. And now you just have people that are playing a lot more minutes that shouldn't be playing minutes. You got Dan, the other night you had Andrew Bogut and Kavon Looney playing heavy minutes. I mean, you're going so deep in rotation, you got to get some people that have been like starting, even played in like a couple of months. So, I mean, they should be playing a lot better. But like you said, out their defense has been bad, but their offense has always been able to mask that bad defense. Now when you lose 35 to 40 points a damn game and you have a gimpy, you know, um, Iguodala, you have uh, Clay Thompson, you know, not 100%, and now you got all the pressure on, on Curry. This, this is where you're at. And right now the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, I picked them in seven. It should go six. If they, if it, I'm nervous if it goes seven. 
if I'm the Toronto Raptors, you put the Golden State Warriors out of their misery tonight and you do it early and you make sure that whatever third quarter run that they might go on, you kill it. Agreed. Now I have to admit, I'm going to say I I do have the – I picked the Raptors. I think I picked the Raptors in five. They should have won that, that last game. I'm sorry. Who swept? I could see that too, but they definitely should have won last night's game. Like, they should be celebrating right now. And it was just so many costly mistakes and to let the Warriors come into it and steal one. They literally just took it right under them. It was definitely the Raptors' game to lose, and they definitely did everything possible to lose that game. Um, so I will say this. If the Raptors don't do it tonight, I'm going to have to change my, my outcome and pick the Warriors in seven. Uh <laughs> I hate oh. to see Draymond be right about that. <laughs> well, he said he, he said he, he said he was going to win six. <laughs> oh, he said six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's how it would have panned out if his prediction would have went. Now, had he had KD in there, if KD came back and didn't get that Achilles, you know, injury, then I, yeah, the Toronto Raptors I don't think would have won it because they have nobody to match that you know, offensive ability. And that's what they're missing. They're missing a third score. They don't have that other – you can't replicate 30 points a game with the catch they got on the bench. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't nobody. Know. Nobody. Nah, but if you do a combination of boogie – Exactly. Because boogie came off the bench and gave them 11 or 12 quick points like that. <laughs> well, boogie was quiet first game. Had some good points, had some points second game. Quiet third game. Came in there for a stretch fourth game. I can't rely on that. You need, a, you need someone you can rely on to give you a 30 points. I can't rely on – I can't rely on um, Boogie Cousins right now. Andre Inquadal is really hurt, and he's out there. He probably even should be out there his damn self. Um, Clay Thompson is doing about as much as he can, um, and he's not even 100%. So what other – and Draymond Green, I don't know where the other offense is coming from. But I, I do agree with what Ace was saying in regards to get it some type of combination. It doesn't have to be one player. It could be right. three. You could have – you could get – you know, if, if Boogie gives you 10 to 15 points a game and you get the remaining 15 from 12 other guys, like Quinn Cook can give you maybe seven points or yeah. um, Jarepko can give you seven points or even Jarepko or Kayvon Lewis. It, well, it could be an equal balance out. To make you know, to make that thirty points off, of, you know, it's really more so. I, I get what you're saying. Um, the problem is that I think that they don't give the opportunity like they should for other people to score because they're so re- heavily reliant on the three, which is Clay Thompson, Curry, and KD. So I think they need to spread the offense more for them to get more scoring. But I still think that that doesn't defeat the. I mean the. I don't think that that does is irrelevant because of their defense. They still got to put some D on the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors is shooting a high percentage in three points. Like Toronto Raptors, like that should be the other way around. Like majority of their offense has been high percentage shots that they're making. This is why they're leading in the series. Which is shocking because they're, they're, they're doing all that. And to be perfectly honest, Kawhi Leonard is not having the best series. Exactly. 
So if Kawhi Leonard is not having the best series, that means other people are stepping up, which means for whatever reason, you're not putting D on the other Toronto Raptors. Like, to be honest, Kyle Lowry is playing better than what he's played in the playoffs ever. You know what I'm saying? It may not be where he's he's scoring. It may not be where he's scoring, but it's just the fact that how he's playing is making Toronto better. Payal Sockham, even though that first game he had, ever since that first game, he hasn't been the same, but it's still manageable because he's still scoring to some degree. Not taking off like he did in game one, but he's still scoring. Mark Gasol is shooting threes outside of the, 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 you know, outside. He's not even inside scoring much. He's giving you about 10 points. It's consistency. Like the Raptors have more consistency in their scoring does than the Warriors do. And if the Warriors ain't playing the defense like they're supposed to be, then the Raptors are going to continue having a high percentage in shots. See, this is where you miss a uh, – this kind of series uh, need, needs to be grimy. It needs to be messy. It needs to be real physical. And this is where you miss your bench, Andrew Barbosa or Matt Barnes. Those guys are going to get down dirty in the trenches and make those plays, the kind of people that's going to sit there and D up somebody and not let Serge Ibaka have 20 goddamn points on you or let Siakam have 32 points on you or let Marcus Saul, you know, drop 15 on you. I mean, you need those type of guys that don't really score much, but they can play some hard-nosed defense and make things real tough for those guys making them shots. And to me, it's not been Kawhi Leonard that's really been killing them. It's been them big, bo- you know, those big bodies that they got off the bench that's been killing them on Golden State. And they've had no answer for it. But Except but Bogan. But Bogan has been coming in and playing some pretty good defense. And and, and that's and that's the last – that's the, that's the dude you guys didn't uh, mention when you talked about those missing uh, 15 or 20 points after what Boogie gives you. Because Bogut has been quietly giving you double-doubles. It's just not talked about because it's just it's Bogut. You know, he's giving you, the, he's giving you those blocks. He's altering uh, the shots on defense. And he's, he's picking up key offensive rebounds and some timely passes. So I think Bogut is that dude. It's just He's just not that wing defender that everybody's so used to. To putting a glove on somebody, but he's still putting, you know, he's still making a big factor when it comes to uh, the, the to defensive presence. Yeah, but, but but when you talk, when you hear about defense in the finals, you don't hear nothing from the Warriors camp. I mean, I, I get it with Bogut there in the middle holding it down. That's all good, but you don't hear nothing about their defense. I mean, right now they're talking. You, you they're talking about um, Fred Van Feet's defense on Steph Curry which is one of the reasons why the Warriors are in the position that they're in. The Raptors' defense is, is one of the most underrated defenses in the NBA. And right now it is showing in the finals. And, you know, if the Warriors can't match that offense with, their de- with the Raptors' defense, they best sure match the, the Raptors' offense with their defense. And they're not doing that as well, which is why they're in the position that they're in right now. Yeah, well, I, but I agree with you, Ace. They need a combination of somebody. You need a – you need – they need – they need that all those 11 points from KD <laughs> to win that game. They need 11 – they need 11 to 15 points from somebody other than Clay and Curry. And it's, maybe it's a combination of three people. Maybe it's one person. But they need someone that, can, that, that they can rely on to get them some buckets. And right now – you're not sure from game to game. 
Hell, I don't think even DeMarcus Cousins would have, would have played last game if it wasn't for KD getting hurt. I think, I think he would have played. I don't think he would have played as much. <laughs> Shit, they started Kevon Looney, and I think he got a cracked chest or whatever. <laughs> is, he, is he playing this game? Yep. Yeah. Hmm. But speaking about in, yeah, well, speaking about injuries, so I know there's a lot that's been said about KD and his injury. Um, so there's been some reports, or at least that initially the MRI said that he had a strained calf muscle. But however, um, some people are saying that it's possible that he might have had something more than that. Maybe it was Achilles tendon, maybe it was some microfracturing. Um, but there's been a lot of people that's been thinking that maybe this injury was a lot more than what it was. Um, so, um, guys, do you think that his injury per se, um, well, do you, do you believe that he actually had an Achilles injury initially and they just tried to play it off as a calf injury? Or do you think it was just one of those freak accidents that might have just happened? No, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was an Achilles injury. I Because, I mean, even people that are – I've been hearing, like, on radio and stuff like that, um, like people who are in the medical field, say, let's say, um, were saying right off the bat that this – is not if it was a calf injury he wouldn't have been out this long like he's been out literally a month and all signs point to an achilles injury whether it was strained or you know it just seemed like everything was pointing to the achilles and to be honest that's what multiple reports were saying before it was even all said and done um so even when kd was coming back i believe everybody had a pretty good understanding that it was a Achilles injury. So I think that the Warriors were trying to do everything they can to hold him out as long as possible and to bring him back, you know, when they needed him, which was the, the last game, of course, game five. So I just think that the Warriors, again, knew about this. Um, and I think that, even though that he came out the pregame warmups, everything seemed like it was fine. Everything looked like it was fine. I I just didn't. I just don't think that it was completely healed to the point where he should have been out there. And we all know that at this stage, you know, now when him getting successful surgery, that it, it should have been done. To be honest, a while ago. Um, I don't know. Uh, I find it very hard to believe that Kevin Durant would have played on a possible rupture, on a possible rupture of an Achilles, knowing that if he played, he could rupture his Achilles just for the sake of trying to help Golden State win the championship. Now, I'm not saying that's not an epitome of a team player or somebody trying to do whatever it takes to help a team win. But I understand it's it's a it's a sport, it's a team sport, but also you know, we have to understand that it's also a business. And from a business standpoint, nobody's gonna sit there and put themselves in harm's way to help the overall overarching system just to put them in a position to win something, knowing that it could possibly jeopardize the cog within the system. So I mean, KD is an elite-level uh, athlete in basketball where, fortunately for him, 
it wouldn't diminish his value as far as somebody trying to offer him close to a max deal come this upcoming free agency. But if it was Joe Blow, who just so happened to be a hell of a, this happened to have a hell of a damn season this season and is really carrying the team, and he wasn't much of anything prior to this particular season, what value would it bring to him to go out there and try to do the same thing? Because he wouldn't be worth the type of money KD is worth. So, I mean, you can disguise it as a calf injury. You could say he had a strain Achilles. Personally, I think it was a calf because if it was an Achilles, I don't think he would have went out there and really tried to play knowing that he could rupture his Achilles and, and cost him in the pocket. Because didn't he already kind of limit the amount of money he could take the past two seasons to help Golden State make sure they can keep everybody intact? So he already took pay cuts. I don't think he was about in the process of trying to take another pay cut for another year on an, you know, possibly jeopardizing a max contract for himself. So I don't think Achilles has anything to do with this. I think it was strictly a calf and the strain that he put on his Achilles trying not to ag- aggravate the calf is the reason why possibly the, the Achilles got ruptured. Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, I'm in agreement, Ace. I, if the MRI showed, even if it would have showed some, and you know, a lot of people said maybe the MRI could have showed some micro fracture, little small holes or whatever in the Achilles. It wasn't torn. Maybe it was aggravated or, or strained, but you know, not completely torn. Maybe it didn't seem as bad, and maybe it was maybe it was just initially a calf strain, and maybe they didn't think that it was going to lead to the Achilles, you know, being torn tore like that. Because like you, I'm in agreement. Why would you risk going out there before you're fully healed? Because if it's an Achilles, even if it was strained, it's going to take the whole offseason to, um, to heal up. You'd be right back for training camp. You're going to get your max dollars from somebody, whether it's going to be from Golden State or whether it's going to be from New York or whomever. I think you're still going to get his max dollars now because um, – even at a 80% Kevin Durant, which is probably going to come back. He's a lot better <laughs> than a lot of the guys in the league. But I, I find it hard to believe that he personally would want to jeopardize his money in his career, knowing he already had an Achilles injury and going out there and playing. I mean, yes, they were down 3-1. Um, yeah, there was some pressure. But at the end of the day, man, you got to, you got to, you know, look after yourself. Exactly. Now, if the Golden State Warriors were kind of, now they did say he did get a second opinion, an independent uh, scan about that. Now, the Golden State Warriors were kind of saying, well, yeah, you know, you can't hurt it as much as it is right now because they don't think it was as injured as they thought it was, or maybe their diagnosis wasn't, didn't reveal everything as it should. Either way, the Golden State, withheld or misled Kevin Durant with information and they're and they're derelict in their you know in their duties um but at the end of the day I, I'm with you Ace it's it's Kevin Durant call just like it was Kawhi Leonard's call with uh with a hurt hip or whatever he had not to play for a whole damn year because he didn't trust this you know San Antonio's doctors and he stayed out a year plus forced to trade and look where he's at right now so it's still at the end of the day, 
up to you now. It's the finals, whole different kind of set of circumstances what Kawhi was dealing with, but I just if he played with it, then that's on him. And that's a risk that I don't think he needed to take. Um, I think Golden State was going to still lose at the end of the day, whether it's going to be in five, six, or seven. But I would have advised him not to do it if he knew it was Achilles' injury, which leads me to believe that they might not have seen it, but he might have had this Achilles-type injury for a while and had been playing with it and thought he could not mess it up and just get by three games without messing it up even more. Oh, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say just from speaking from experience, having a partially ruptured Achilles and not knowing I had a partially ruptured Achilles, trust me, when you get up in the morning and you try to walk, it hurts like hell. Eventually, just like a, a, a cold engine, once it gets warm, you tend not to feel the pain as much. But the doctor told me when, they, when he looked at my MRI, he was like, at any split second, you do one wrong move and you have a fully ruptured. Is it possible he could have had a partially ruptured Achilles? Yes. But even still, if he knew it was partially ruptured, he was a fool for going out there and trying to play, knowing that in basketball you have to cut on dimes. I made the mistake not knowing I had a partially ruptured Achilles and was moving furniture and going up and down stairs, not knowing that at any point I could rupture my damn foot on my Achilles. So that's why, again, I still believe that I, I agree with you, E, that maybe the medical doctors for Golden State wasn't as forthcoming with the situation, but he would have to know. And then even still, now coming off of an Achilles surgery and trying to rehab, he's not going to be that same player. No, but I, 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 what I'm saying was is that I'm not saying that I, I disagree with what you guys are saying. I'm saying that if anything, again, this goes back to not just Warriors, but like you said, he got a second opinion, and both of them were saying that he was cleared to play. So this is not about really Kevin Durant at this stage. It's more so the fact that if they are giving him the go-ahead to say, hey, you're cleared to play, and – the question is, is that they, they give him the correct diagnosis to clear them to play when there was obviously something else that was wrong where he had to end up getting surgery because he's under the impression that everything is good. And based off of the first, when he, like, the, like I said before, the pregame warmup, he's dunking, he's shooting threes, he's, he's doing the pregame warmups like anybody else would. So I'm thinking he's under the impression that you know, the doctors cleared me, so I'm good to go. So I'm not saying that, you know, it was up to his decision. I just think that the decision that got him to the point where he was was misdiagnosed, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you may feel as though that, you know, something is not, you know, you're at 80%, but they're giving you the full go-ahead to go on and do full contact drills and play a full game. So – I'm not blaming KD in that regard. I'm just saying that, you know, he could have gotten misinformation thinking that he was okay to play. Yeah, and, like, I agree. It's quite possible, but something tells me within the upcoming, you know, days and weeks, especially after all was said and done, 
I think we're going to find out a lot more about what actually happened. And I think it's going to be a little bit more murkier than anybody wants to believe. But I agree with you, Al. If the doctors said you're good to go, your, your team is saying, okay, you can good to go. If everyone is saying it's good, you're good to go, you're cleared to play, um, maybe they're saying, well, maybe you, you, you don't need to, but you can go out there and play. We do need you. He went out there and hearing all the chatter around the league, he wanted to go out there and, you know, be the savior. And if he brings them back from a 3-1 deficit to win, he would have been the ultimate savior. Then he could have ran out off on his white horse to free agency and basically rode his own ticket anywhere. Now, we will switch right on to the free agency. So with this injury, uh, obviously, three days ago, Kevin Durant was going to be the big domino to fall. He was the person that was going to kind of, wherever he lands up, is going to be the domino effect of where everything else goes. Now that he's going to be out for a year, how do you guys see the um, free agency landscape changing, or do you think it changes much at all? Uh, hmm. AD plays a four, right? Four or five. Part of part of me wants to believe because of this injury, the Lakers might be benefiting from the AD injury. I'm sorry, not AD. KD, sorry. <laughs> KD, AD, AC, all, all sound the same to me. Um, because the Lakers, believe it or not, though KD's going to want his money, they might be able to finagle uh, a pretty high contract over a four-year period. I don't, I don't know how it would work out, but for whatever reason, they instead of giving them like a five-year, they might be able to finagle a four-year type of max contract, conceding that he won't play at all in uh, next season. And then could you see a a LeBron on his last leg of a Laker contract with an a AD, a KD, uh, a Kuzma coming off the bench and whatever type of assets. It sounds ridiculous, I know. I see you shaking your head, man. But I, because I, I, I don't see, I don't see Brooklyn going after KD now because of this injury. I don't see it. It's possible, but I don't see it. And that from what I'm reading, it's only like three teams that are willing to give him a max contract knowing his injury. And I believe the Lakers are one of them. Uh, you don't think so? I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I mean, well, first thing, I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the first thing is that if AD is at the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma is not going to be in the, in, with the Lakers. I just – I'm trying to give him – no, but I'm saying because the Lakers, you know, all talks now is that the Lakers are willing to give up Kyle Kuzma with that four pick for Anthony Davis. And uh, well, they they didn't. And if it comes down to that, they will. But the, the reports is the offer or what the possible offer would be out there would be Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball in the fourth round pick, and allegedly the Pelicans want Kyle Kuzma, but that wasn't. That wasn't, I guess, oh. might be the the original offer. Okay. And All right. So I was mistaken. Okay. Yeah. All right. But if I'm David Griffin, and if I know David Griffin, I'm pretty sure that he is not going to even budge without Kyle Kuzma being in part of that in part of that deal. If Kyle Kuzma is not in that deal, I just don't see them making a trade just for Ingram Ball and the number four pick alone. Sorry. 
But then again, I I could I, I can't be wrong. What about the the possibility of New York finagling those? What, what uh, not, is it New York? Yeah, no, it was Brooklyn. For who? You got the the two top ten picks. For who? Uh, Anthony Davis. Hold on, I'm not confusing some crap. What it was the oh it was the possibility of. No, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was the Knicks or the Nets. No, it would have been the Knicks, but I think the Nets made the trade with the, with Atlanta that will make it impossible for the Knicks to make that trade with Atlanta because I believe the Knicks would have traded down and took Atlanta's two top ten picks for the number three pick and try to finagle it that way. I don't know uh, if that's still the case just because I got you. And I think the Knicks are better off keeping that third pick instead of trading down with the Hawks to get those two picks. My personal opinion. I agree. Um, but right now, from I mean, at least from what I'm hearing, um, it's all about the Lakers and Celtics for Anthony Davis at this stage. Um, but I heard the what uh, Rich Paul said that yeah, the Celtics is trade for me. He's only going to stay there for one year. So what's the point? And, I don't think Boston is going to budge on that. And, and and let me say something about that. I mean, like, I don't even want to hear. Th- Rich Paul saying that this is not about LeBron James at this stage. You know, this is about Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. One to go to the Lakers. That may be all well and good, but the way that you're talking and the way that you're setting things up, it just seems as though that you're catering towards LeBron James. And it's nothing personal. I get it because that's your boy. But don't say that, you know, everything is about Anthony Davis when majority of people know that's not true. Like, all jokes aside, we get where you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to, you know, you could just come out and say it. Yeah, we, I, you know, if Anthony Davis wants to play with L.A., with LeBron, then that's what it is. I get that. But don't say that you're not doing it because of LeBron James. It's just everything is showing that it's pointing to that direction. The optics of it looks bad. That's what all everybody's saying. It's just the optics about it looks all bad because it just seems as though that it is that you're catering to LeBron James. Like, if you had um, Lonzo Ball as your agent, would you really cater to him to go to New Orleans Pelicans because that's where, you know what I'm saying? You would try and finagle something out of that. Like, whatever happened to KCP? Like, he's supposed to be a, a part of your, your Rich Paul, I mean, your Clutch Sports as well, but you only got him for a one-year deal just to, so that you could get into contact with the L.A. Lakers. So there's a lot of optics around it where it just seems as though you're pointing to the, just your – that it's just catering towards LeBron and where he wants to do and who he wants on the team. That's all I'm saying. It's, the optics of it looks bad. You may say that it's not true, but the optics look bad. Yeah, I, I think AD eventually is going to wind up in L.A. I think, you know, whether or not Kyle Kuzma is in the deal. And I agree because I prefer Kyle Kuzma over Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram's blood clots, even though it's not the same thing as Chris Bosh, he might be damaged goods. I think the Los Angeles Lakers are more than happy to get Lonzo Ball out of L.A. so they ain't got to deal with his daddy's mouth anymore. Um but I, I really don't think that they want to give, give up Kyle Kuzma unless they 
absolutely necessarily have to, which is the reason why I think they might try to get another another team in this mix to kind of see if they can keep him, get somebody else in there, move some picks around, and let the Pelicans get it. So if this deal is going to happen, I think it's going to be a multi-team deal, not just straight up between the LA Lakers and the Pelicans, but maybe a three, possible four-team deal. And which in turn, where does that leave the Knicks? Because with everything that's going on now with KD being hurt, where does that leave them? And, and I heard, I just heard talks about Kimball Walker willing to sign less of a max, super max deal now so that he can bring <laughs> more people to Charlotte. So hey, man. <laughs> where does that leave the Knicks? Like, if I'm the Knicks, if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm having a bad day right now because everything was talked about KD coming to New York. Kyrie, um, KD and Kyrie coming to New York to the Knicks. And now you see that Kyrie is prefers, I mean, possibility, prefers the Nets over the Knicks. KD is now injured. They were saying if Kyrie doesn't come, then it could be KD and Kimball Walker with the Knicks. But now that Kimball Walker is now talking about, you know, I'll, I'll take less money to stay in Charlotte. So, I mean, what do you do now? <laughs> you... Shoot your shot with KD and see if, he, if he'll come and play. I mean, you, knowing fully well that you're not going to have him for next season. And so you roll the dice, you take the chance, you get a KD that's probably going to be 80% of himself, you know, maybe 90. Um, but if you look at the time, the best, the best example will probably be DeMarcus Cousins when he blew out his Achilles now – KD is a lot better condition. DeMarcus Cousins came back by what? Uh, playoffs, I think it was, that he came back. So you're looking as far as that. Now, the Knicks make the playoffs, probably not. Um, however, if they can get a, a Kyrie, <sighs> I think you take your shot with KD. If KD wants to come by himself, knowing that Kyrie might go to Brooklyn. Or KD could go to Brooklyn with Kyrie and just hang out. But I wouldn't be sh – don't be automatically surprised if Kevin Durant sticks around one more year. I'm thinking that too. And go to state oh, and uh, pick up that $31 million option. Then you got to say goodbye-bye to Clay. You got to say bye-bye to Draymond. How are you going to pick up well, if he picks up the player option, he's not, not, he's not getting a max deal. He's just picking up the last year of his contract. You can still offer Clay to max. Um, Draymond won't be up for his contract until next year. Mm -hmm. That's when you'll have the problems of whether or not who, who you're going to keep. Yes. Whether it's going to be KD or whether it's going to be Draymond. And to be honest, the way things are right now, you could probably get out of this unscathed I mean, if you wait another year and then KD becomes an unrestricted free agent where he could go any place where he wants to go, you can still keep Draymond when it's all said and done. I mean, to be honest, it's just delaying and inevitable. Yeah. And the Knicks wouldn't be so much in a bad deal because right now they don't get a they, – they don't wind up with any free, top free agents, which I think is highly possible um, with Kyrie flirting with the Nets a lot more. You still got your third-round pick. Don't trade it. You take R.J. Barrett. 
you go through your growing pains this year and you still keep your cap money and then you try yeah. to get you try to get KD next year if he's willing to come. What the Knicks gotta hope is that Kevin Knox turns into what they drafted him and play better. His you know and uh increases play is year two. And with a dominant, dominant uh, Donovan Mitchell and R.J. Barrett come in there, and hopefully he would be the he would be the next Tatum if he if he could turn into be like how Jason Tatum turned out for Boston in his rookie year. That's not a bad little young core per se. If Kevin Knox can increase his play and become uh, a seventeen and ten type of guy, or 17, 8, and 8, or whatever it is. You know, he needs to step his game up. And if Tate and if Barrett could be a Tatum and Donovan Mitchell just be Donovan Mitchell, that's not a bad three. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, um, who's the point guard for? Oh, for the Knicks? Dennis Smith Jr.? Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yes, Dennis Smith Jr. He's not a bad little something either. No. So, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad little young core. If they can, if Kevin Knox steps his games up, mm-hmm. but the problem, the problem that the Knicks have with a young core is their lack of player development. That's really what that boils down to. Don't get me wrong, David Fisdale is a good coach. Um, be interesting to see now how he is with another year under his belt. But I think that still goes back to the player development. It's going to take a while for all of them to gel, even with R.J. Barrett in the mix, um, which is. And what makes it funny is because the Knicks are willing to trade the number three pick and R.J. Barrett wants to play for the New York Knicks. Like, he wants them to select them. So it's, it's, it's just the Knicks being the Knicks at this stage. Um, but if they could do player development the right way, they do have a nice core to build around. And to be honest, if you really want to throw something in the mix, how about this? Like, not just R.J. Barrett wants to play with New York, but Zion went, Zion went, hopefully wanted the New Yorks to have the number one pick as well. So who's to say down the road that you might get Zion when he becomes an actual free agent off of his rookie deal and pair him up in New York with R.J. Barrett? I know that's all the way down the road, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Five years down the road. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that, you still got some people that are prepared. I mean, young people that want to play for the Knicks. And, you know, I'm very curious to see what the Knicks do with their money-wise and what free agents they get. Because if they swing and miss with KD and, and Kyrie and all these other people out there, Kimball Walker, you know, they swing and miss on all those and end up getting, like, third-tier free agents – this is going to be a long year for the Knicks. I would say if if your deal doesn't include, and let's not let's not discount AD going to the, 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 um, the New York Knicks as well. But I think AD probably wants somebody else to come with him, preferably a Kyrie or maybe a Kimball Walker. But because um, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say that it's a done deal with the Lakers, but the Knicks are still a possible lure. But if I would say if the Knicks can't get anybody, if you can't get AD, Kyrie, which I'm still not even sure that they really should try to go after, or KD, 
then I would just tell them just to stay pat with what you got and save mm-hmm. your money and see how the next year, you know, how the next year shakes out. Yeah, but they're the next. But they don't, I know, they don't have patience. They don't, they, they want, they want everything done right now. I'm like, you've been bad this long. You can, what is another year <laughs> gonna, gonna do you? And he might not be that bad. But like you said, it's the Knicks fans. Is what we're talking about. Average. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the draft is what, uh, seven days away? Next week. Next, this this day. Yeah, exactly oh, wow. a week. Wow. Yeah. And the free agency starts July 1st. I remember the first day I was at Chiggy's and Pete's. Seeing flash on the screen, LeBron James. <laughs> Miami? It's Laker. Oh, no, oh, no, L.A., okay. Yeah, so I remember seeing that one. But but once this is over, if it's over tonight or Sunday, who knows? But eventually it's going to be football. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, why are you overstepping uh, WNBA? Uh, why are you overstepping baseball? Uh <laughs> Uh, why you soccer? <laughs> yeah, uh, FIFA. FIFA is about to kick off. As a matter of fact, I think it already started. Yeah, in, in, yeah. in the U.S. women scored 13 points over over Thailand. <laughs> there, there is no mercy rule. <laughs> they got 13 goals. 13. It was bad. It was bad. I kind of felt bad for Thailand. They got good. Uh, they got good Taiwanese food. Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is Thailand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're actually coming up on our time, fellas. Um, so actually, if I take a quick peek at the score, and I've been kind of um, passionately looking at it, it's actually a, a tight game um, back and forth with right now Toronto 53, Golden State 51. Toronto, if you want to win this game, don't let these, don't let them hang around. Um, so I'm looking at the score. Who was the high, uh, who was the, uh, the high man for, the Raptors is Kyle Lowry with whoa. <laughs> Leonard had six points. Whew. Kyle Lowry has how many points? Uh, Kyle Lowry has um, seventeen points. Siakam has thirteen, and if, okay. he, and if he gets twenty, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with you. If yeah, he I gets have. twenty, it's a wrap. Uh, with Serge Ibaka put putting in ten. High man for um, the Warriors is um, Clay Thompson with 15. Um, Boogie Cousins giving you seven off the bench. I'm telling you, discount Boogie. What, how much Boogie got? Boogie has zero. <laughs> how many? How many rebounds and blocks? Uh, no blocks, no turnovers, one rebound. I ain't doing shit. All right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I, I agree. If you if you outsock him, definitely get 20 points. Warriors is in trouble. It's wrap. So right now it's 54-53. It's going to take a Herculean effort um, by Clay Thompson. And, and Steph Curry hasn't even really lit up yet. He's one for three behind a three-point arc. So but, uh, that what was scary about that because eventually when Steph Curry starts lighting it up, that's when Kawhi is going to probably light up to the bounce out. So, he plays you know, in this competition. 
Yeah. But I think it has a lot to do with that boxing one, too. That boxing one is really stifling uh, stuff. And to be honest, they should be doing that boxing one with Clay, too. If they, I think they, I think they do the triangle in two with uh, with the both of them. They could do that too. They can do that too. And again, which goes back to that defense that they have on them. Like if they really shut them down, one of them, if they shut one of them down, they good. Yeah. And obviously, it looks like they're shutting down Steph more than they would Clay. Or at least they're trying to contain him for the time being until you know, hoping that he doesn't get off. But we all know. Once once Steph gets gets one or two going. Yeah. Without question. Without question. But I do have to say this. Kudos to Kyle Lowry for playing for really playing a good game in this final series. I mean, all the talk that I was getting on him and um the rest of Toronto uh, you know, previous years in the playoffs, it's good to see that Kyle Lowry is stepping up where it counts. Yep. So it means something. Well, right now it's close, and it's in, and it's in the Oracle, and it's too close, of, for my opinion, for Toronto. They need to be up by like at least ten. Um, right now, they're only up by like four at the moment. So, the third quarter is coming. If they can withstand a third quarter rush, then I think they should be okay. Oh well. All right, fellas, that is about our time for the night. Uh, we want to thank everyone for uh, subscribing, listening to us to them podcasts, whether it be um, Spotify, whether it be Apple iTunes, um, whether you're looking at us at YouTube. Uh, we want to appreciate everyone that's subscribing and listening to us. Um, we do always appreciate any kind of feedback that you guys want to give us. Um, so with that being said, um, guys, let us know where um, they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter. CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on social media. I am Al Qualls. Again, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the gram at J.E. Ross, the number seven. And as always, I want to say, everyone, love, peace, and soul, and have a great weekend. Have a good one. God bless. Deuces.